know it's got the ticking that everyone is getting really sick of. <laughs> but Hello and welcome to The Cutdown, a podcast all about the art of trailer editing. This is episode number 25. Rick is taking a break from the podcast right now because just with a whole work from home situation and he has kids, uh, just doing the podcast and editing it, recording it, is just taking a little bit too much mental bandwidth. So he's taking a break, but I'm here with a very special guest, my friend Alicia Mail, who is a game trailer editor at Hammer Creative. Uh, she's a person that I worked with when I worked at Hammer Creative for a couple of years. Uh, she's edited trailers for Doom Eternal, Wolfenstein Youngblood, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, Civilization 3, Elder Scrolls Legends, Heroes of Skyrim, and the recent Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, hi, Alicia. Hey, Derek. So happy to be on the show. Thank you. Um, yeah, so the reason I wanted to have Alicia on the show is just because when we first met, uh, Alicia was an assistant editor doing Capture when I came on as a freelance editor at Hammer. But now she's making all these uh, amazing trailers for games I think anyone would love to have on their portfolio and just really killing it. It was a very short period of time, too, that you started as the assistant at Hammer because that was, what, how many years ago? Like, Oh, gosh. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it was like three years, maybe. Not very long, considering how much stuff you've done since then, so it's really cool. I thought that you would have some cool insight for people who are curious about making game trailers at uh, Trailer House, uh, and you've also worked on lots of really cool stuff. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> After I was saying all those different games, how does it sound just hearing those set out in one go that you've worked on all these things? Oh my gosh, I I never ever thought I'd hear somebody say all that. Uh, I just, I know what you're saying is true, but my first reaction is I just don't believe it. It's like you're reading someone else's resume, you got the wrong IMDb page. I just, still, it still doesn't feel real. So what would Alicia of say 10 years ago say if you said, hey, this is what you're gonna work on or this is what you did work on in the future? Uh, I don't even think Alicia 10 years ago knew this was a job. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know, more than 10 years ago, probably like 15 years ago, I was, uh, I loved video games as a kid and I would just like rip cutscenes of video games that I could find on YouTube and make really silly like music videos or cut like super cringy Kingdom Hearts music videos to whatever my favorite emo song was at the time. <laughs> so I never ever thought that that could ever be more than just a hobby. So I'm really grateful I get to combine two of my favorite things into a career. Yeah. Do you remember any particular like Kingdom Hearts pairings with the what songs? <laughs> oh my god, I absolutely do. Um, I remember I did it to an All American Rejects song, of course. Wow, that was another one. Oh man, I'm sure there was like a Panic at the Disco music video in there somewhere. Things are that are probably totally irrelevant to Kingdom Hearts looking back, but because I just loved the song, I was like, oh yeah, this fits perfectly. And how did you even just find out that? game trailer making was even a job because um, did you did you move to LA first or do you get the job and then move to LA? I got the job and then I moved to LA um, but I don't even think I've realized 
game trailer making was a job until I was like looking for jobs in LA after graduation. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at trailer houses, looking at like production houses. I didn't really know for sure what I wanted to do. I know I wanted to do something in editing. And while searching around for trailer houses, I came across a place that did video game trailers. And I was like, oh, I like, I guess I always kind of thought that the people who did video game trailers were the same people who cut commercials or movie trailers or maybe even the developers themselves. Um, I never realized how specific of like a niche it is. And it wasn't until I started working at Hammer that I realized that game trailer editing is not only a, a very specialized type of editing, but there's so much work that goes into the trailer before the, the editors even touch it. At the place where I work, we've got super talented writers, creatives, there's capture artists, graphic artists, finishers, producers, and they're all playing this integral part in the production of a trailer. How did you even find the places to look for? Because I think a lot of people don't even know how to know the existence of trailer houses or like find like a list of them. Do you remember how you discovered them? I don't remember how I was looking at all of the different trailer houses, but I do remember, I don't know what forum it was, but I came across some forum, maybe like Creative Cow or something, uh, some editing forum when I was searching for jobs, like just Googling, what are some trailer houses in LA? And uh Within that list, someone had posted, uh, Hammer Creative was like in that list. So that's how I found it. <laughs> okay, yeah. Usually I recommend people go to the Golden Trailer Awards website because... Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, they have a directory page there with like all the trailer houses. And in fact, some of them are probably closed at this point too. Not necessarily because of the pandemic, uh, but just because uh, business is closed sometimes. It's sort of like a very secretive industry. Yeah. Understandably so, because it's dealing with stuff that's not out yet. So I'm just curious how you found things, because uh, it's not talked about a lot. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, even some of the names of trailer houses, just by the name, you wouldn't guess what it is. Like Buddha Jones <laughs> or uh, oh, what are some other ones? Buddha Jones is the one that always comes to mind for me, because I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, Buddha Jones, Ant Farm back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and I forgot to ask, um, because the pandemic, you're now lucky enough to be working from home. Yes. So how has that been uh, adjusting to that as opposed to being at an office? I love it. I feel like I'm more productive. I feel like I'm more relaxed. I love that there's no commute, so I'm never late. Um, I love that I can just go into my kitchen and eat all the snacks and no one will judge me. <laughs> um, the lower transfer speeds are definitely sort of, you know, it's, I, I definitely was spoiled with the amazing transfer speeds we had in the office. Trying to like transfer everything over the internet is a little slow, but luckily everyone in the industry right now seems to be understanding about the fact that everyone's kind of moving at a slower pace right now. Well, that's good of them. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> when you started working from home, was it pretty easy from the get-go or did you have any uh, period where you're like, oh my God, how do I do this or? It was a little bit of a bumpy ride in the beginning. <laughs> you definitely have to adjust to these slower transfer speeds over the internet. I, I kind of had to tweak my workflow a little bit because I needed to be communicative really fast with capture and stuff about what sort of footage I would need so they could 
get it transferred as fast as possible. And I needed to know, like, okay, I can focus on doing this kind of editing in this downtime when they're uploading something. So I sort of had to plan my days a little bit differently just so I would have something to do and not just be waiting around for footage. That makes a lot of sense. Because I've also wondered to myself, like, huh, if I was going to collaborate with some people, how would that go? But right now, I'm just like, it's simpler to just do it all myself. (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, if you do all your own capture, then you're given notes to yourself. You you don't have to worry about those transfer speeds. So that's smart. Well, to a degree. (laughs) It's funny, whenever I tell people that I make game trailers, I get a surprising number of people who say, like, so do you actually play games? (laughs) To me, I'm like, of course I do. (laughs) But that just speaks to me that people who do this job don't necessarily play games, but outside of your career, uh, just how big part of your life are games? Uh, They're a pretty big part. Possibly too big, maybe, if you look at the number of hours I've dedicated to the Civ series. Um, I think it's like over a thousand hours logged across all the Civilization games. So I just love games. I feel like it's a great hobby to have to be able to play something on your own, and it's a great hobby for meeting other people. I feel like a lot of the friends I've made have been through gaming. I met my boyfriend sort of through gaming. Well, we met and then uh, we were talking and I I randomly brought up Halo. I was telling him that like, I love Halo. And he didn't believe me. So he uh, <laughs> invited me to come back to his dorm. This was in like college. And he was like, yeah, prove that you like Halo. Like, like play me in a social slayer match. <laughs> and I did and I lost, but I knew what I was doing, so he believed me. <laughs> um, so what are just some of your favorite games? Halo is one of them, actually. Uh, Civ, obviously, I was just talking about that one. Um, uh, when I was a kid, I loved uh, Spyro, and um, what else did I play? Uh, Age of Empires I was a big fan of. Battle for Middle Earth was one of my favorites. Um, as I got a little bit older, got super into like Oblivion, Skyrim, RPG type games. Um, right now I'm playing Divinity Original Sin 2, or Divinity 2 Original Sin, and I love that game. It is amazing. Uh, it's a super nerdy game, but <laughs> I'm a big fan. So a lot of like tactics games and like meaty RPG games. Exactly, yes. Ones where the, the hour counts easily go into it. 100 plus. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to get your, your job uh, at Hammer, first you started as an assistant. How was it? Did you like interview online? Did you send in a resume or reel? What did you, how did you get there? It was right after college, so I didn't really have uh, anything like real like that I could send, at least in the game trailer realm. Um, the position was actually a for an internship. Okay. I was like, I'm fresh out of school. I could use some training. So I applied to Hammer as an intern. And instead, they offered me a uh, paid position as a receptionist. Mm-hmm. So that position didn't really require any uh, real. But I sent them my resume, which had like my film school credentials on it and all that. But um, after a couple of months as a receptionist, then I uh, got promoted to be in game capture. And then after, I think, maybe a year in game capture, then I became a assistant editor slash finisher. And then when I was 
in finishing, that's when I really sort of like fell in love with editing again. I was like, oh yeah, this is really what I want to do. Just working with other editors' timelines and and seeing seeing the process of like all the little details that go into making a trailer made me feel a little bit more confident about maybe trying my own hand at making a trailer. And so then eventually I did. I started with some small stuff, like cut downs, and then got into some three-act structure stuff and eventually uh, became an editor. (laughs) Um, But I think I was in game capture when you were working there, right? Yeah, I first did a little freelance at Hammer, and the first thing we did together was Sonic Boom. Yes, yep. A devious force imprisoned below the surface for more than 1,000 years waiting for its chance at revenge. You. You and I have unfinished business. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm pretty sure it's a bad thing. I did like three Sonic Boom trailers, I think. It was like E3, GDC, or Gamescom, and maybe like a launch trailer or something like that. Yeah, I, I think you did all of them, right? All the ones that we did at Hammer? Yeah, all the ones I did at Hammer. I remember you were so organized. Like you built your sequences out with uh, like text saying like, okay, I want this kind of shot here and this kind of shot here. And I remember when you showed me that, I was like, this is the most helpful thing I've ever seen when it comes to capture. Like Uh it was was great having all that direction. And I bet that really helped you too, because you at least had something temp to put in while you were working on your edit. And uh, ever since I've seen you do that, I've tried to do that in my own edits, like putting in a slate that says, like, shot of this thing, establishing shot, close up on this character. That's been really helpful. Very cool. Um, it's funny because I don't know how much thought I put into those those title cards, but I don't think it was that much. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that it was helpful because I, I it probably gave you like just enough to start somewhere. Totally, yeah. And a lot of the time, in when I was in Capture at least, I felt like you, all you had was a script to go off of, really. Um, sometimes the editor would come in and be like, I kind of want to do something like this. But in the beginning, it was kind of up to you to pull all these, as much footage as you could, and pass it over to the editor to see what they could start constructing out of it and see like where things started to go and then capture more specific things based off that. But I don't know how you did it. You, like, I don't even know if you saw the game yet. You already had like all this structure planned out. That was really, really helpful. Yeah. Oh, and b- before we get too far, uh, for people who don't know what finishing is, can you describe what that process is for a finishing editor? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, finishing is sort of like... Um, It's one of those jobs, I think, that um, if you do everything right in the job, no one will ever notice. But if you mess up one thing, if you like just forget one little thing, then it's all your fault and everyone will know. Uh, But a finisher is someone who takes the trailer after the editor has like got cut their approved version that's been approved from the by the client. They pass it on to finishing for uh, color correction or maybe finishers will go in and clean up frames that might have something funky going on in them. In in games, you get that a lot with like screen tears or repeat frames or uh, things clipping in the environment. Um, in movie finishing, you probably do different things. <laughs> uh, but uh, finishers will also do the final mix 
or they'll mix prep something for a mixer, they'll also be the ones who make the final versions of the file. Like sometimes they have to make special TV safe versions that are at different frame rates and have different rules about the color that you can show. So I'm really grateful for my colleagues in the finishing department because they just do so much to make sure that everything looks great and sounds great. And uh, they really add that finishing touch. Right. They dot the I's and cross the T's. Yes. And exactly. then make sure the I's and T's look nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think I finished a couple of your trailers too, because I, I remember finishing a Mortal Kombat thing that you worked on. Yeah. I think you did at least a handful of them. Yeah. You were saying that it gave you the chance to look at a lot of people's edits. I think that's, when I was an assistant, that was one of the most valuable things, was to just look at other people's timelines. Absolutely. Looking at other people's timelines, you could probably see, oh, you don't have to be super organized necessarily (laughs) for the cut to look good. I'm not going to throw shade in anyone specific, but. That is very true. Everyone will like you so much more if your cut is organized, but you don't have to be organized. I think because I started as a movie movie trailer, assistant editor, I was on Avid and you had to have as few video tracks as possible because you needed to export uh, EDLs, uh, edit decision lists. Mm -hmm. So you needed to have all the information on basically one track, whereas in digital, you could have a timeline with like 10 video tracks or something like that. And there's just things everywhere all over the thing. And it's a little hard to, to parse if you're just uh, given this timeline. Um, but back to capture. Um, so you were talking about um, figuring out what sort of shots you need for a trailer. Um, a question that I get a lot is like, do you storyboard your trailers? And my answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever storyboarded a trailer? Uh, I, I have not. I have never storyboarded a trailer that um, was pure gameplay capture. I have storyboarded trailers that would have elements in them that would need to be storyboarded, like CG elements or maybe some live action shoot stuff getting interspersed throughout. There was um, one case where I did have to storyboard a trailer for um, for video game footage, and it was because it was like a massive online multiplayer type game. And we, uh, the capture crew needed to have like a bunch of people logged into the server in order to capture this footage. And they had uh, the developers in there and, and everything. So they had maybe like 30 or 40 people that they were orchestrating and trying to direct. Yeah. And uh, so we needed storyboards for that just to try and get that process done as quickly as possible and painlessly as possible. Wow. And just to clarify, I'm not the one making these boards. There's an entire team of insanely talented storyboard artists and creatives who actually create the storyboard, and then I'm just the one who cuts the boards together. I think I did one where it was like maybe five or six people at a time over like telephone intercom, and that was pretty unwieldy, (laughs) so I can't imagine. Yeah, those are rough. But I think in terms of thinking of shots, what I do is if I see a script or either my own script or someone else's, I just look for anything to match to. So if it's like title cards where they're describing a certain game feature or a story thing, I just try to think, okay, what's the most obvious thing to compare to this? (laughs) And just I'll cut that in. Mm -hmm. Um, I sometimes feel like, oh, am I doing the the dumb thing by doing them the most obvious but in some ways i think that just something that's simple and obvious is 
the good thing to do because otherwise it gets confusing. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's going to be like boring or anything like that. Yeah, and I, I think because trailers are cut so fast that if you add too much thinking on the part of the audience, then they're just not going to know what's going on, basically. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What are some of the trailers that you've edited that you're most proud of? You've done a lot. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, well, I think we're always our harshest critics, so it can be hard to nail that down sometimes. But um, I think the trailer that I'm most proud of, just because I'm proud of the the process and like the personal growth that went into it, would be the launch trailer that I cut for the latest Shadow of the Tomb Raider game. Since then, tis centuries, and yet feel shorter than a day. By taking the key, you set the apocalypse in motion. That was one of the like very first big trailers that I was ever assigned. And the team had been working on the Tomb Raider campaign for a while, and the creatives had come up with this really cool, unique concept for the launch trailer. And it was it was gonna have this involved sound design and use an Emily Dickinson poem. And I just remember in that kickoff meeting, I remember thinking like in my head, I was like, well, this is when everyone realizes that I'm a fraud and I'm going to get fired and it's everything's going to go horribly wrong. And I, I remember sitting down at that like empty timeline and dragging in sound effects and being like, nothing is right. This is awful. Um, and it just throughout the whole process, I was completely terrified. And then I remember in the end, um, even after the project was approved and and it was in finishing, I was still like, it's all wrong. Like when <laughs> I could, when I heard the finishers playing it, like the mix in the hallway, uh-huh. I I had to close my door and like turn up my audio because I was like, I can't listen to it. It's all wrong. But then when I came back to it, like a couple months later and watched it, I was like, oh, this is this actually kind of seems like something a real trailer editor would edit, <laughs> and. I'm just proud of myself and the team who worked on that project because we were all trying to make something that was a little different than what we're used to. And I remember how scared I was that I wouldn't be able to do their vision justice. But everyone was helping me along the way. And even though I was scared, I just did it anyway. Um, And it taught me to like, don't worry about being a perfectionist, just get it done. And you might surprise yourself sometimes. So I try to think of that trailer whenever I get another one that makes me feel really nervous. Um, And it's really helped. Oh, that's a really good lesson. (laughs) The other lesson to take away is that you have people around you who also have taste. Yes. Since it's a business, they're probably going to tell you, maybe you need to work on this a little bit more or something. Mm -hmm. I can totally understand the mentality of, I'm the only correct one. You're all wrong. It's terrible. (laughs) Do you have a a trailer that was like that? Like maybe one of your first trailers where you were like, I can't do this? Uh, Yes, but so when you're talking about your Kingdom Hearts videos, I was thinking about something that I think about all the time, which is when I watch my old stuff, like even as far back as like anime music videos, Mm -hmm. I'll still watch them and usually not have much critical stuff to say, (laughs) which really worries me. I'm like, this thing is 
15 years old. <laughs> I was editing Every Breath You Take to Perfect Blue. Oh my gosh. Con film. I need to see that. It, it's online somewhere, I think. <laughs> uh, I have like Full Metal Alchemist anime music videos, and I'm watching yes. them. I'm like, that's pretty good. <laughs> I shouldn't think that, though. I should have growth. No, that's good. That Hey, hey, anime music videos are a lot different than trailers. So They are. It, you're looking at it from a different perspective. But ones that I thought about that... Um, I was like, it's bad the entire way. I don't think, I honestly don't think that I've had stuff where when even it was done, I thought to myself, this is trash. Um, because I know I just have this gut feeling of things that I like watching. And if I can send it out to a client and be totally fine with that, then I know that uh, it's probably pretty okay. It's at least something that I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know I have very high standards. But I don't know. It's, I'm biased, of course, too, because it's my own work. <laughs> yeah. So it's really tough. But I don't think I quite had the same level of like once it's finishing, I'm like, no, don't don't look at it, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, m- maybe like individual sections of trailers. Where I'm like, uh, could have pushed mm. the sound design a little bit more here. Um, but overall, not as much. I see. Well, that's good. It's good to have that confidence. So do you watch like a lot of trailers regularly or what do you do for like inspiration if if you do at all? It could not have to be trailers necessarily. It could be movies or what do you, what keeps you fresh? I do watch a lot of trailers. I love watching trailers. Lately, I've been doing this thing where I have like a YouTube playlist of my favorite trailers and I just put that playlist on loop when I'm like getting ready in the morning and I'm not really watching it per se because I've watched this trailers like hundreds of times. Uh, I'm just listening Mm. and just listening. I feel like every single time I hear just a a small detail that I didn't notice before and I'm like, oh, wow, that was a really good choice. Or I like trying to envision maybe what the timeline looked like, like how many sound effects are really layered under this one moment that really stands out and why is all the sound design carved out for like this one particular part. I really like listening and just just hearing where they decide to, editors decide to like cut out their music, where they decide to rely solely on music, where they decide to bring in sound effects. I find that really interesting. I think I remember you telling me, didn't you make like a playlist to listen to while you're driving to work or something? Yes, yes, I did <laughs> tell you that. I'm always paranoid that if I ever get in a car accident, they're going to find my phone and be like, you were watching videos. And I'll be like, no, I was just listening. But that's no one's going to believe that. I think that's really smart, though, because just so much of trailer work is in the sound. Like, if you look at a timeline, like I said, the video could be compressed down to one or two tracks, but the sound usually could go, you know, 12, 20 or something like that, depending. Totally. So uh, I think, yeah, definitely people need to focus on their sound as much as they can. Um, (laughs) You've done a lot of different jobs, as we've heard in game trailers, but can you describe a little bit of just what it looks like when you're starting a project or uh, just as much as you want to share or as little as you want to share about the, the process? <laughs> when starting a project, this is a tough question because it's it's hard to start a project when you're sitting there and ready to begin. There is so much work that goes into a project before I even start on it. Um, I've got colleagues who will start by, they'll figure out the entire strategy for a games campaign. Then there are creatives and writers who will figure out how to put that strategy to work in a way that really appeals to our target audiences. And then we've got a super talented art department and they've already figured out the right look and they've already figured out 
the the correct font and and what the cards are going to look like if there are graphics cards. Um, there's a capture department who's already mastered the game and they're figuring out ways to show it off in the best way possible. And there's producers managing it all, making sure everyone has time to do their thing. Um, so by the time it does finally get to me, um, usually I start by narrowing down a music cue I like out of a batch of tracks that have already been pre-selected by a music supervisor. And then I just start editing with that music track. Um, if I don't have a music track yet, I'll just try and do it with hits and rises until a music track comes in. Um, basically just taking that music track and sort of what you were doing and uh, you mentioned this in one of your previous episodes of The Cutdown. I think it was like the tips and tricks episode, but you were saying how you mark parts of the song yeah. based on like when a different melody is coming in or when there's a big rise. I, I could do a very similar thing and I, I try to lay out my song and find all the spots where I want to cut away, like all my stop downs. And once I have those figured out, then that's when I start to feel comfortable bringing footage in. And usually I will bring in footage that's relevant to those stop downs before filling in the rest of the stuff. Usually like any moment that's emphasized in my song, I fill those parts in with footage first. For me, it's a lot easier to do the in-between stuff once you have the big moments figured out. I almost never go through a trailer in a linear way when I'm working. It's sort of jumping around to all the big moments, filling those out, and then letting the rest of the stuff get filled out as footage comes in and I'm like, okay, this is this is cool, I'll put this here, that kind of thing. Another big thing that I, I forgot to mention was uh, after I'm done with my music edit, that's usually when capture starts rolling in and the process of breaking down capture for video games is very, I think it's probably a lot different than the process of breaking down um, footage for movie trailers and like sometimes for video games you will get the same sequence shot like 10 different times and it's your job to go through and be like okay where where's the best just what's the best take of this sometimes you you splice two takes together or three takes and um a big part of my initial process is just going through all of that footage, even if I have the same shot 20 times, I will watch down every single one and find that right take. I have a similar sort of thing with um, th those big moments where it's like, well, clearly this shot here or this part of the music re requires like the most epic shot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so find those. I'll just stick those there. Um, but like you're talking about breaking down. Um, I've been tweeting this thread on Twitter, of course, uh, <laughs> that I've basically just started uh, putting sort of uh, redacted screenshots of my timelines that I've been working on as I've started a new project. I sorted the same batch of capture like four different ways. Like first I sorted it based off of like the gameplay idea and then after that I sorted it based off of like the, the sound effects, like the different quality of sound effects. Oh, that's a good idea. And then I sorted based on like the story context or the story that's being told in each shot because depending on what I'm doing in the trailer, I'm looking for something different. So it's like, okay, right now I need a sound that's really big. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to this sequence. And right now I need story point related to like this character. Okay, I'll go to the sequence. If you have the time to do that, then it's great. But it's also partially just me procrastinating. So I'm like, <laughs> if I'm not sorting, then I'm doing creative work and that's scary. Yes. Oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> I could totally relate to that. I really like your idea of uh, breaking footage down by uh, 
like sound effects that really cut through or are grabbing. That seems like it would be very useful for punctuating moments throughout your trailer. Yeah, because like sometimes in trailers you have like a moment when you want like three quick clicks or something like that. Yes. Another time you want like really big hit or something drawn out or something sort of in between that. It also could be depending on the music, like the music beats, something to go with that. I don't know if I'll actually use it in that way, but I'm like, if I do, then I'll be able to find the footage fast as opposed to just going through the capture uh, all over again. Yeah. So what do you think is the most difficult part of making game trailers? I think one thing that is very difficult about game trailers and I think is something that's very unique to game trailers is um, sometimes you're dealing with games that just don't have story beats, like a racing game or a puzzle game. Trailers, I think, are about taking you on this journey so you can experience um, this rise and fall in emotion and action. And it can be hard to do that. That's something I struggle with personally um, when it comes to games that don't really have those emotional beats. Sometimes I think you can get around it by pulling in sort of those punctuating sound effect moments like the thing that you were talking about. I think you can also, a lot of the time, you'll see like mobile games will break it up with with full screen cards or something like that, just to add a little bit of context to something that looks like just, you know, a montage of footage. But it can be difficult with those kinds of games to make something feel more like a trailer than a music video. And that is something that I struggle with sometimes is just trying to sort of tease a story out of something that doesn't really have that at all. And luckily with capture, sometimes you can fake it. Uh, I'm lucky to work with a bunch of really skilled capture artists who come up with these really creative ways of shooting things that just, they just figure out a way to make it work, which I'm super grateful for. But um, yeah, a lot of the time you don't have just nice dialogue story beats that you can pull out and sprinkle in, which it can be difficult to to tease a story out of that. Yeah, because... Sometimes the story is like that game session that you had that one time. Yes. It's like, oh man, I was behind here. And then, but like manufacturing that out of nothing, it can feel artificial. Totally. Or you just don't think about it because uh, maybe, you know, this is a new game and you don't know what sort of stories arise from just playing it. You uh, did a really good job with, what was that? You did that trailer for that um, that taxi game? Neocab? Yes, yes. Did you like write the script for that or was that all stuff from the game? So the E3 trailer, I think is the one you're thinking about because that's Yes. Um, for that one, well, I, I did my usual thing where I go through like all the the text that's available from the game and I went through things like you know the in-game text where there's things to, like describing what the bracelet is or just the world of Neocab. And I think that I was trying to think of what are the things already said in the game that are sort of good ways of paraphrasing the story and the game. Uh, design itself because I'm lazy because I, I I try to not do as much original writing as possible. I try to just take stuff that's already in the game. It, it sounds like the you're describing the story of the game and the game at the same time and I just sort of look for things that do that and if something's just worded a little bit off then I'll change it around and then in Neocab's case I also um, worked with uh, I also worked with a story editor for the script so I basically wrote my first pass gave it to her um, and had her sort of adjust it so it's in the style of writing of the game or has the same sort of feel. And so the the thing with the 
the E3 trailer, um, the very end was sort of manufactured because that part doesn't actually really happen in the game. Oh, cool. I think the things that are said are still technically in the game, but we sort of dramatized it a little bit. Anything else that didn't sort of fit that core story of like looking for your friend was just ways of sort of fleshing out the world by making, I just call them like grandiose statements, like, you know, it's a lonely world out there or something like that. It's like a something that can stand on its own and you get the vibe of something or about the character itself, like you understand something about that person uh, or the world they're in mm-hmm. to sort of fill in the space. <laughs> it worked really well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it felt very natural to the world. So so you, like, wrote a lot of that copy that was then tweaked by the story writer? Yeah, the part I didn't do was, like, the stay on the road, stay on the search, stay human. That was all of them, mm-hmm. which uh, I recently did a blog post saying, like, this is a good example of good title cards in a trailer. <laughs> I didn't write it. <laughs> um, but in terms of the dialogue choices, um, I think that's stuff that uh, at least started with me, if not uh, finished with me. Nice. That one took a, a bunch iteration just because we didn't have a lot of time for that one in terms of like the the actual length of the trailer because I think it was part of like the PC gaming show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the answer is just like read as much of the text as you can. Yes. Pick out the things that sound trailery. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is one benefit of video games is there's usually loads more text than there would be in a movie. You have just a lot of... Uh, text or sometimes VO to work with. It's not always the most exciting, but sometimes you can craft something out of that. Yeah. And then also just having clear goals about what the trailer is trying to convey, which for NeoCab, we wanted to get this core story idea out there because we thought that in a trailer form, just saying, oh, it's a it's a bunch of different stories isn't necessarily a compelling narrative because... Uh, sometimes people are like, oh, but is there like a real like ending to this? Or am I just sampling everyone's stories here and there? But when the game came out, I think the reaction was sort of the opposite. It was like, actually, the side stories are the best part, even if they didn't present as well in the trailer, because it's a lot easier to understand a high level storyline like my friend is missing, as opposed to these passengers that you have that their stories develop over multiple rides. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think, try to find the bigger story. And then maybe try to find one a little bigger than that. <laughs> because I think when you get really granular, you end up with trailers where you're like, what does this scene have to do with anything? <laughs> this is this one scene with a character whose name I don't know. And they're like name dropping. And they're talking about these events that I don't... It's, it seems like not super relevant that you went to the store to buy chips or something like that. I don't... <laughs> it's like, what's going on with your life, though? <laughs> That's so true, though. You do have to find that through line. Even if when the actual game comes out, it ends up not being the the best part of the game, sometimes just having that in the trailer is what makes you feel like the call to action stronger than those little side quests, stuff like that. Since you watch a lot of game trailers, what do you see out there that you think could be done better? Or is there something like a style of something that you think, eh, maybe we could move on from this? <laughs> Um, I will say I'm not a huge fan of copy runs, especially ones that just list the features of the game. It's like we can see that happening in the footage already. It feels kind of repetitive to see that repeated again in a graphics card. Also, if there's just copy, if there's just like a graphics run with text that isn't super exciting or interesting, like 
fight the bad guys, save the world. Like, we know we know this story. <laughs> you don't have to spell it out for us. But I do like the, the text that you had and the example with the E3 trailer you were talking about. That works really well. If it speaks to something that the footage doesn't already show us. But I do feel like a lot of the time, sometimes for games that are less cinematic, you kind of need those copy runs, maybe like a mobile game. But I'm surprised when I see full screen card copy runs in games that are very cinematic. I'm, I often feel like we don't need this. This is interrupting our experience of the story. And I feel like a lot of movie trailers are sort of moving away from those, those full screen copy cards. There's still quite a few that have them, but not as much as we're in like the early 2000s, stuff like that. And I would kind of like to see video game trailers follow in those same footsteps. I call those bullet point trailers. Because <laughs> it's like, you, you go to the store bullet points, like, oh, there it is. <laughs> That's what was in the trailer. Yeah, the thing I tell people is like, save your bullet points for the store page because that's a thing that is easily done in text and understood in text. And a trailer, it's, you know, it's editing and visuals and sound. So do the things that those are good at doing. Yes. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Like, that's the kind of stuff you would want to see when you're going into the store to purchase a game. It's kind of like when you're going to watch a trailer, you're just looking for all the flashy visuals. You don't want to read all the specs. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some people do, but... Some people do, yes. (laughs) Maybe it's like DLC and you're already invested. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh man, how many more maps are you going to add in this pack? (laughs) Then then I think it's okay, you know? (laughs) How many gun skins? <laughs> what are some of your favorite trailers for movies or games that aren't stuff that you've worked on? Let's see. Some of my favorites. Um, for games, I really liked that trailer that they did for the first Hellblade game. Um, I think it was an E3 trailer. I can't remember. It was um, the Hellblade Sen- Senua's Sacrifice. Is that how you say your name? Senua. I Senua. Yes. I, I love that trailer. I think that trailer is so cool. It's uh, I'm a sucker for the trailers that are sort of just one long music rise and no sound effects, just dialogue. And one thing that was really cool about that trailer was the dialogue. There was like a voiceover in it that was very processed. So it was kind of hard to tell what the voiceover was saying, but the processing on it just made it feel so creepy and scary and dark that in a way you almost didn't need to know what the voiceover was saying because you were getting the vibe just from the processing on the audio. And uh, I really liked that. Also, one thing I liked about that trailer was it showed way fewer um, like action shots, and a lot of the shots were just close-ups on the main character's face, like the character being very emotional, which makes sense because that's what the game is about mostly. But um, when they did show action shots, it was it was a very limited use of gameplay action. And when they did show them, it was very slow motion, like super slow-mo. You didn't actually see the impact of the blade or anything like that. And I, I liked that approach. That was 
like refreshing and different because usually, you know, in a action montage, you're just seeing the best of the best, like QTE action. And, and in this, it's sort of like the moment right before impact was frozen in super slow motion. And I liked that a lot. That sounds like it makes sense because the like core message or idea of that game is not the actiony parts. Exactly. And you probably easily could make a trailer that was actiony, but you'd be like, oh, cool. Dark Souls game or something. Yeah. <laughs> Dark Souls with Vikings. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. It's a very serious game about... Yeah, it's very true. And I think the editor for that trailer, um, clearly they really understood the tone of the game and they captured it really well. As for non-game trailers, uh, a couple of my favorite movie trailers from like the past year or two were... Um, I loved A24 trailers. <laughs> yes. I loved your guys' episode about the A24 trailers. I was listening to that. I was just like... Yes, and you showed so many like audio clips from some of my favorite trailers, so that was really satisfying. Uh, the Greed Knight teaser I have watched probably over a hundred times. <laughs> I I love that. I know it's got the the ticking that everyone is getting really <laughs> sick of, <laughs> but I have none to tell yet. You have none to tell yet. We all fear, but fear can be a gift. I'm a sucker for those long builds. I think they're awesome. I also really liked the Lighthouse trailer. Watch you spill your beans. Watch you spill your beans. I thought that was a cool approach. What else? Oh, I loved the Parasite trailer. I thought that one was really good. That must have been so difficult to show the story beats without giving away the twist. They did such a good job of just making you be like, what is going on? That's a really good one where it's like, you know something's off. The little bits that they pepper in sort of takes it past like, I don't know, family drama to like, no, there's something else going on here. Yes. And after seeing the movie too, going back and watching the trailer, there's a bunch of scenes of the use in the trailer where out of context in the trailer, they seem so creepy. But in the actual movie, nothing creepy is happening at all. <laughs> and I like props to the trailer editor for thinking of those moments and pulling them in when the uh, the movie itself wasn't even using those moments in a creepy way. That's cool. I'll have to watch it again because that makes me think about how like David Lynch movies, he makes normal things seem totally not normal and weird and creepy. Yes. That would be cool to like try to reverse engineer. Mm-hmm. Is there a dream project you have, either like a studio or a particular game or something you want to work on in the future? My dream project would definitely be the new Elder Scrolls game. <laughs> it's just because when I saw the first... Uh, when I saw the very first Elder Scrolls Skyrim trailer, or the first like gameplay trailer for that game, I was so happy. I thought I was gonna cry like <laughs> at the very end when they've got that that dragon dragon flying over the horizon and the music swells into that epic theme. I was like, "This is it. We've reached 
like the pinnacle of games and it's funny going back and watching playing Skyrim it's like so outdated now but I just remember how just the sheer joy that I felt seeing that trailer and I would love to be able to work on the next one and be able to hopefully craft something that could make other people feel that excitement and joy yeah so Bethesda if you're listening hire Hammer have edit have Alicia make the trailer (laughs) You'll have all this enthusiasm behind it. Yes. <laughs> what about you? For me, Dream Project, I, I would love to work on like some big like Sony like PlayStation things. Like, I mean, Naughty Dog, I know they have their own internal editing team, but like, if they were to say, "Hey, we're gonna call you in as pinch hitter and make a trailer for Last of Us Part Two or whatever next thing," then that would be like amazing. Or that would be a good one. I loved God of War. I would have loved to work on something like that. Or oh yeah. I love doing indie games, but being able to make like the giant epic Hollywood style thing with, uh, you know, those amazing visuals. I mean, that's why I still in some limited capacity make fan trailers. Uh, I have a bunch of unfinished projects. I still love doing that sort of thing. So, well, actually, because I got to work on Half-Life Alex, that I got to, that's the biggest thing I've been able to work on probably ever in my career. Was that like a dream project for you? I mean, yeah. <laughs> That was like the dream where it's like, no, you didn't realize this was your dream yes. until you got it and then you're like, started pinching yourself right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like, I would have never thought to ask for that. That was awesome. That trailer came out great. I, I worked with a lot of very talented people uh, on that one. And uh, I still have not done like the behind the scenes look, but I'm just more than eager to point out the parts of the trailer that were not my doing <laughs> uh, because they're just, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a lot going on in that one. I've never worked on a game that is a VR game. What is the process on that for capture? and Or I guess we'll find out when you make your behind-the-scenes video. It depends on the game. I mean, for VR indie game trailers that I've worked on, uh, it was just using combination of headset capture and then having them build like a debug camera that can be controlled with a controller so you can get some different angles. Uh, that are like more cinematic than uh, what you can see out of the headset, which is isn't always the best angle to have for a particular shot in a trailer. But if you're like super curious about other VR things, like in engine everything, then you should go to my friend um, Kurt Gartner's website, where he has this big blog post about like VR cinematography, where he actually has a friend perform, and then he has this rig where he's like hooked up an iPhone to a. a VR tracker that he's basically like has a steady cam where he's like filming the person playing. Oh wow. And through his his viewfinder he can see like one to one the the camera uh that is outside of the player which only works if you have like a player model which you see like the headset and the hands moving but he's way more on top of that type of cinematography than I am. That's really cool. That's quite a setup. Um so what about outside of games any hobbies or interests that what are you doing when you're not uh, in Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I've uh, been getting to dive into a lot of hobbies lately because of this all this quarantine business. Um, but I really enjoy reading. Right now, I am uh, I'm about halfway through the Expanse series, that sci-fi series, and I am loving it so far. It is so good. It's so addicting. It's sort of like Game of Thrones in space. <laughs> But uh, I love reading, and I also, uh, I really enjoy rock climbing. Haven't been able to do that lately, but hopefully soon, maybe. Um, And 
Uh, I also, I do some cross stitching. <laughs> it's very <laughs> quaint. <laughs> and uh, um, let's see, I love cooking and I've been dabbling in watercolor painting as well lately. Very cool. I think we're getting towards the end here. I want to ask, actually, what um, advice do you have for anyone who's looking to get to do what you're doing? If there's uh, another Alicia out there who maybe is just learning that this is a thing, do you have any advice? Uh, listen to Derek's podcast and also go on his website <laughs> because I feel like you are one of the only people out there right now who is actually putting very specific content out for this kind of craft. If you were to try and just put in a Google search for like how to edit a trailer, you're probably going to get very technical um, like, here's how to use Premiere, here's how to use Avid, this is what sound design is. And you're not really probably going to get very creative tips beyond the stuff that you probably already know intuitively by watching a trailer. Like, it needs to have a stop down, it needs to have some hits and rises and a dynamic emotional feel. Um, but Derek, your content is just so, like, the stuff about making reverbs, that's, that's really important. <laughs> Those are, like key elements for trailer editing that anyone who wants to get into this business, whether it's video games or movie trailers, you should definitely check out Derek's stuff because <laughs> it's been helpful to me and I'm not that much of a noob anymore and I'm still learning things from Derek. So if you're just starting out, definitely check out all Derek has to offer. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, actually, so this one I just thought of um, if I do future interviews with other people, do you have any questions? There'll probably be trailer editors too, but do you have a question that you would like to ask uh, another trailer editor? Ooh, yes. The question I always want to ask people is just where do you start? What's the first thing you do once your footage is all broken down? Because I know probably, I imagine everyone starts with breaking down their footage unless they're very bold and just they dive right in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's someone out there who does that. But I always want to know when you, you've got all that footage broken down, you can't procrastinate by just breaking things down anymore, what do you do when you're faced with that blank timeline? Like, do you pull a sound effect in first? Do you pull a shot in? Do you pull in music? What is your, like, go-to when you just have no idea where to start? That's a good question. I would also like to know the answer to that <laughs> For, from all the trailer editors. Yes. Um, so I will, I will probably just make that a standard question for all trailer <laughs> editors from now on. Do you have an, an answer to that question? Um, my thing is, um, well, first of all, for dialogue-based things, it's a lot easier because uh, I'm usually finding the story in the dialogue. And once I have a general structure of things that I've put into a notepad or something like that on my computer, because um, I'll do thorough like dialogue breakdowns in also sort of multiple ways, like I was describing before. Like, this sounds like, you know, this is exposition. This is exposition about characters. This is about the world. And then I'll also sort of the dialogue sometimes like, this sounds like a cold open dialogue. This sounds like an intro. This sounds like an escalation. This sounds like a climax and sort of thing. And then I'll just put all of that on the timeline and then it'll be like, you know, five, 10 minutes long, who knows, and then start taking stuff out. And then... The key for me, I think, is to just get something on there so then that I have something to play off of uh, and either match or juxtapose in some sort of way. Because, yeah, the, the blank timeline, there's nothing there. There's there's only emptiness and darkness <laughs> <laughs> um, 
for games, it could also be like, okay, we really, really need to get people to understand this one particular feature or this part of the the design of the game. So it could be like one of those title cards, like I said in the beginning, like that we'd send to the capture artist, like something that explains the mechanic here. <laughs> you know, a simple version of the mechanic should be here. A more complicated one should be here. And in the middle here should be something extra cool. Or And as soon as you start putting in things that narrow your decision making in any way, then it gets easier. But, you know, I, I do it like through uh, clenched teeth and like my, my hands are covering my eyes and then I peek through the eyes. I'm like, ah, this must be okay. And, and then I, I try to tell myself, no one sees this right now. You're the only one looking at this timeline. Why are you so afraid? But it's still because I, I hate it. Um, so, yeah, just just you need to get anything on there because I think even if you just put like your selects reel on the timeline, you just immediately go like, well, that's not a trailer. God, this should be here, and this should be here, and blah, blah, blah. And then by the time you've done some of that, you're like, oh, wait, this, is this a structure? <laughs> like, yeah, there's a little bit of something that makes sense. It's like as as soon as you have just those couple seconds that you feel confident about, it's amazing how much that alone can help. Like, I used to know a trailer editor who, um, well, I still know this person, but uh, they would, um, when they started their project, they would just take an old project and start building off that sequence. They'd just push, like, the old project way back in the sequence so it looked like they were starting fresh, but just so they could have the comfort of seeing that something was already finished and made on the timeline. That's great. It's amazing how, uh, like, that's a really good tip that you have about the uh, making sure you're just putting down something. It doesn't have to be perfect, but anything that can reduce the amount of decision-making you have to do is going to help you be more productive. And I, I say this now vaguely confidently, but like when I'm doing this, this doesn't feel confident. It still feels like, <laughs> you know, even if I label like the sequence, like this is complete and utter garbage. This should be garbage. I'll still be like, ah, it doesn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. Wow, it's a relief hearing like someone with as much experience as you saying that because I do feel that on a regular basis and it's good to know that I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're, we're all together in our discomfort. Yes. All right, um, I think we're getting to the end here. So is there anything you want to promote or shout out or uh, in a Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever? <laughs> I would like to give a shout out to my colleagues at Hammer Creative um, because no trailer is ever made by a single person. Um, it, it takes a whole team and I really appreciate them taking a chance on me and helping me become an editor. It's been a really great experience and it's a great place to work. So if you are also interested in video game trailer editing and you are either an experienced editor or you're looking to get your feet in the door um, or your foot in the door, I really encourage you to try applying to Hammer because we're always looking for new talent. And um, Hammer is very video game centric. So if you're into that, it's a perfect place for that kind of thing. I don't have a ton to promote, but uh, I do just want to reiterate again, Derek, your website is amazing. I would like to shout out to... (laughs) this podcast and uh, Derek's website because it has been so helpful for me as a trailer editor and it's hard to find that sort of content out there and uh, I I love this podcast so thanks for having me on the show Derek really really happy to be here thank you for coming it was really great the thing I tell people if they're worried about like sharing their knowledge either through blog posts or videos or podcasts whatever like that if they get that like imposter syndrome bubbling up there the thing I tell them is that first of all if it's valuable to a younger version of yourself then it's worth it 
Also, people who are more experienced than you still love to hear people say the same things that they believe in. Yes. <laughs> Very true. It's like, oh, phew, it's yes. a little reinforcement. I knew that already, but... It's like, oh, thank God I haven't been doing it wrong this whole time. Yeah, so thank you so much for, for being on. Hopefully, we'll have you on the show again sometime in the future. That'd be amazing. All right, so that is this week's episode. Uh, I don't have any current plans for the next one, but I'm going to try to get an interview lined up so then that we can just have another episode similar to this one uh, before Rick returns. As always, you can send your questions and comments to cutdown at idlethumbs.net, and we are on Twitter at cutdowncast, and I am at Derek underscore Lou, and Rick is at Rick Thomas with no K, and we are part of the Idle Thumbs Network. And you can join us on the Idle Thumbs forums if you'd like to talk about this week's episode. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends. As always, we want to give thank you to our friends at Twisted Jukebox for our intro music. I hope everyone out there is staying safe, washing their hands, socially distancing, and I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. And that's how we do it.